Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegriff, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Thank you so much for listening today, tonight, whenever it happens to be. I'm doing this at nighttime. Uh, that's, tip, that's typically the usual for me, but whenever you're listening to this, whenever you have time to listen to podcasts, thank you for taking that time to listen, to be a part of what I'm trying to do here um, and all the other nice things that you do, subscribing, following social media. You can now watch me if you want to see the face behind the voice and then probably decide to go back to just listen. You can do that. It's, it can't be that bad. I'm married. I have three kids, so I'm doing something right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you can find me on YouTube now, Father in Our Future. Check that out. Might not just be podcast episodes. We'll see. Maybe one day I'll change it up. But for now, I'm trying to manage what I can with this while managing the family and family's priorities. So hopefully you have the same priority. But all the all the fun stuff of subscribing and supporting, I really appreciate that. But I hope if you're listening, if you're a dad, uh, because I know other people listen to this too, even though it's meant for dads, but more power to you. But if you're listening to this and you're a dad, I hope you're joining in the mission. So every time I start the podcast, I say, I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I'm trying to be better. I hope you were doing that as well. I hope every day you were trying to be a better dad too. And I know sometimes people think about that and they're like, man, that just sounds like a huge task. How am I supposed to be better every single day? Sometimes we think about that in a bit of a flawed perspective. So we think, you know, in one month, I'm going to be just mega dad. <laughs> I'm going to be awesome. I am going to be carrying around this shield, and I will truly be Captain America. Yeah, uh, I'll truly be Captain America. If my family, people look at me, and they will think that I am super dad. Yeah, I have the super dad hat, so I've already reached that status. But anyway, um, that's what we think sometimes, and that's not the right way to think about it. So being a better dad every single day is just being intentional about it, being mindful of it, and thinking to yourself, okay, re- just reflect on your day as a dad. Saying, okay, I was probably too snappy at that point, uh, probably was too aggressive then, probably should have said something about this. Just go through your day and analyze your own actions, your thoughts, your emotions. Think about what you did as a dad. That's the first step. And if you do that every single day, you will gradually become a better dad every single day. And that's the goal. It's not, you know, I want to, to, to achieve perfection. That's not the goal because it's not even achievable. The goal is to just simply be better. That's it. That takes intentionality. That requires you to think about what you're doing as a dad. That's it. It requires you reflecting. It requires you trying to apply some of the things that you've learned that you would like to change about yourself as a dad. It requires you failing and messing up really bad in the process. And it requires you getting up the next day and trying to do better then. That's all it takes. So I hope that if you're listening to your dad, you're trying to be a better dad every single day. Because I know we have issues I know we mess up. I know we have problems. I know there's things that we struggle with. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to make this message loud and clear because as men, we suck at this. We run from this. We're afraid of this sometimes. But I want you to get this message loud and clear. It is okay 
to get help. Now, for all the people out there thinking, no, he's a guy that surely there's no way I heard him say what he just said. Yes, let me say it again for you. It is okay to get help. Now, I know a lot of times we don't think we need help. We think we can figure it out on our own. And for whatever reason, we think we can do it. We do. I think a lot of that's probably attributed to how some men have been portrayed, role models that we've had in our lives. I think about my dad, and I think, you know, that could be part of the reason why sometimes I try to think I'm invincible. My dad in particular is one of the strongest guys that I know. He would walk into a room, and he's big. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 260, So, you know, he's a big guy, but he's not like a, you know, huge guy who goes to the gym all the time. He's just blue-collar, worked outside, worked with his hands all of his life, macho guy. He gets sick, and he's like, not today. As I mean, he pushes through sickness. Some guys I know get a headache, and they're like, oh, I got to lay in bed for the next three days. I'm like, what in the world? And my dad's like, I got a headache because I wanted one. I mean, he's that kind of guy. Um, just to tell you a couple of stories, first off about a strength, our first house, we were redoing the kitchen, and my father-in-law flew down to help with that, uh, just as a nice gesture. And he's a big guy. He's 6'5", 230 probably, uh, super healthy, cycles every day, like 30 miles a day. He's, he's intense, a super healthy guy. And my dad was over there also helping with something on a particular day. Well, we'd taken some cabinets out and we had to turn the water off to do some stuff with the sink. And um, I have the right tool. I've got the big key to turn the water off. I've got the tall one that makes it easier. And I'm trying to turn the water off the front of the house. And I cannot get this stupid thing to budge. So my father-in-law was like, let me try it, let me try it. So he tries it. He can't budge it at all. So my dad just happened to be walking out like five minutes after we're like profusely sweating, just trying to turn this stupid key to shut the water off to the house. And my dad was like, yeah, y'all need some help. And my father-in-law was like, he's like, Jonathan, this thing, it just doesn't move. He was like, I don't know that you can do it. So my dad walks up, grabs the key, and it was as if it had just been installed. I don't even think he had to put his body weight into it. He just like turned the key. <laughs> it was It was remarkable. My father-in-law looked at him like, what kind of a man are you? I mean, that's the kind of strength that my dad has. He can, like, there's nothing he he can't pick up and do. You know, we watch these clips on, you know, social media and YouTube of these guys, you know, doing these incredible things. And I'm like, man, they have all those muscles and my dad doesn't need them to do what they're doing. I can only imagine if he actually went to the gym, he would probably be like Thor or something. But He's super strong, so that was always displayed to me. Um, and then he, he like repels sickness. He hardly ever gets sick, and when he does get sick, you know it's really bad. So there was a time when we were when we were much younger, this is years ago. We were out to eat at a restaurant after church on a Sunday afternoon, and he's just sitting there and he's looking down at the table, and his eyes are just yellow. I mean, incredibly yellow. Like you haven't had water in six days, and you peed in the morning yellow. You know what I'm talking about. Hopefully you don't. That's really disgusting. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, 
his eyes were super yellow, and my mom or someone looked at him like, are you okay? Do you need to go to the hospital? And he just kind of mumbled and shook his head. Well, he got to the hospital, and they're like, uh, we got to take your gallbladder out immediately. Like, they didn't even give him information. They were like, we need to do this now. It was it was bad. I mean, but he just held it off until, like, the absolute last minute, and that's just the way he is. A few years back, probably three years right now, um, he had a stroke. And this is an interesting story in hindsight. It probably was terrifying to at least my mom. I don't know that my dad was even scared about it. But so he had a stroke. And this is how the story goes. He got home from work. It was around Christmas time. My mom is actually decorating the tree at this point. So her back is to my dad. He's sitting down on the couch. He's watching TV. Just walked in the door. just trying to relax. So he gets thirsty, goes up to the fridge, pulls out his cup of tea, tries to take a drink pours out all over his face, all over his shirt. He looks down like, this is weird. So he put his tea back in the kitchen, walked back to his bedroom, looked in the mirror, noticed that half of his face is starting to kind of droop a little bit. He was like, oh, that's not normal, but I'm still walking around, so I'm alive. (laughs) It's probably what was going through his mind. So he walks back up to the front, and he's saying, you know what, I'm still thirsty. So he gets the cup of tea, tries to take a second drink. Same thing happens. Spills tea all over his face, all over his shirt. So he's thinking, okay, well, maybe something's wrong. And I think he tried to sit down a little bit more and watch TV, and he was like, I'm kind of feeling funny. So he gets up, and he gets my mom's attention. And my mom at first thinks it's a joke, and then she quickly realizes that, okay, he can't really talk right. Something's wrong. So she calls 911, and in the midst of, like, asking for an ambulance, my dad somehow communicates to her, like, that's not going to happen. He wanted her to drive him to the hospital in his truck. He liked his truck. He still likes his truck. It's a different truck, but he loves his trucks. He's a Ford guy. So my mom's like, okay, well, we got to go now. And he was like, no, 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 no. I've been working all day. I stink. I was sweating. I'm going to take a shower. So while having a stroke, my dad's like, no, I don't want doctors to smell me like this. He goes and he takes a shower and then he allows my mom to drive him to the hospital. That's the kind of man (laughs) that... I grew up with every single day. He was my dad. So when I think about weaknesses, when I think about trying to be vulnerable, getting help, I'm like, well, I don't need to do that. It's it's in my nature. It's in my blood. I'm just, by birth and hereditary, I'm invincible. And sometimes I think that, and I know that that's not the case. I, I, I've recognized now that this is not the case, but let me just break in to tell you this because I want to tell you a lot it's okay to get help. We're not invincible. It doesn't matter who your dad was. It doesn't matter who your role models were. It doesn't matter who you've watched on TV, what comic books you liked. I didn't read comics, but I got those things back there. Uh, You have to watch to see, so get to my YouTube channel. Anyway, um, it doesn't matter who your role model was. You have problems. You've got issues. There are things that stress you out. There are times that you probably feel a little bit depressed. There's anxiety that you deal with. There are some things that you're probably afraid of. There's probably moments where you feel inadequate, that you feel like you're just not capable. Sometimes you probably feel worthless, broken, that no one cares. There's probably some really deep, dark places that you've traveled mentally because you're going through something and you think, this is not even worth it. It is okay to get help. 
for whatever reason, mentally, I think men process this the wrong way, that we have a weakness and we think being vulnerable and open and exposing and expressing that weakness makes us even weaker. The exact opposite is true. When you are going through a storm in life and there's a problem that you're dealing with, expressing that weakness is the best thing that you can do, opening up about it and saying, look, I recognize that I have a problem and I need to get help. It is okay to get help. And I want you to get help. It doesn't matter at what stage your conflict is at, whether it has just started or whether it is years down the road, it is okay to get help. It is okay to get help. I want you to get help because there are things that escalate beyond your control. There are things that are just outside of your means and capacity to deal with. It happens to everyone. I know as men, we like to parade around with this mask of invincibility, but we're not fooling anyone. Everyone knows that everyone has problems. And it's we all know this, but sometimes we forget it. We see people and we think, wow, they are awesome. While they have it all together, surely they don't have the same struggles that I do. It doesn't matter where you fall in any particular category, whether it's a socioeconomic category, race category, it doesn't matter where you fall in that category, whether you're at the top or the bottom, it is irrelevant. You all have problems. We, I have problems. Everyone has struggles and issues and we face challenges and things get tough. It is okay to get help. I want you to get help. If you're going through something, I want you to get help because you need it. You need help. I need help. We need one another. We need friends. We need mentors. We need people in our life who have the ability to speak into our lives and help us. I want you to consider this in contemplating whether or not you should get help. I came across this years ago, and I thought this was crazy, and it's still true to this day, the statistics about this. Most of the acts of violence that happen, at least in the U.S., but I'm sure it's globally as well, are domestic. They happen within the home. They happen with family members. This is why if a wife is found dead in her home, the number one suspect is always the husband. And the opposite is true. If a husband is found dead in his home, the number one suspect is always the wife. If kids die in the home, the parents, one of the parents, both of the parents are always the immediate suspects because most of the time they are the guilty party. And that is mind-boggling to me how within this unit that should possess the greatest, most biased love that there is there is also some of the greatest hate and aggression and pain. If you feel like you need help, do not let things spiral out of control and become something that you just cannot deal with. It is okay to get help. And it's not like issues within the family where you should have the greatest love. It's not like those issues are, aren't brand new. This has always been a thing, somehow, some way, where you have 
the most openness, the most emotional connection, the most love and compassion for people. The opposite, for whatever reason, appears to be true. That where there is the most love, there is also the most aggression and hate. Where there is the most comfort, sometimes there is the most discomfort. And I don't know how that works, but it does. That's that's just the way it is. I mean, I think about it biblically, because that's the book that I like to read. I think about it biblically because, you know, Adam and Eve fall, and Adam immediately tries to throw Eve to the flame, like, uh, God, Island did it because she gave it to me. Like, immediately rats her out. Like, I'm not going to take any any sort of fault for this. Like, I, I had nothing to do with it. I, I'm not going to take responsibility because she gave me the fruit. So, you know, Adam turns on Eve. Cain killed his brother Abel over something ridiculous. Noah ended up having issues with some of his sons. Jacob and Esau had their big dispute. Joseph had all these brothers, and they literally sold him into slavery. They tried to kill him, and they're like, no, let's get some money out of the deal. So they sold him because they thought, well, maybe he'll have a chance. I mean, brothers turned on their brother because they were jealous, because they just had stupid perspective. But it always happens this way. There's always tension and aggression and hate within the family over dumb things. Because people have issues and they keep them to themselves or they talk to the wrong people and they don't get the help that they need. If you have an issue, I don't care where it falls on the spectrum, I, I don't care how minuscule it may seem or how out of control it may feel, it is okay to get help. You should get help. It's okay to get help. So what does help look like? I think sometimes we struggle with that because one, as men, we've probably never done it. Um, so what does it look like? Depending on what your problem is, it can be as simple as listening to a podcast like this. It could be mine. It could be someone else's. But listening to information, reading information, however you like to take information in, take it in. Take in information that challenges you to be better, to try and be a better dad every single day. You can listen to things, watch things that edify you, that encourage you, that motivate you, and challenge you to be better. They, they give you information that you can dwell on, that you can think about, and that you can come to terms with and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to put forth an effort. Sometimes getting help can be done in private, depending on what the problem is. But you have to recognize the problem and you have to recognize, hey, I need help. You have to make an effort to get help. And it's okay if sometimes you have to be you know, vulnerable and exposed with your weakness. Sometimes listening to something just doesn't cut it because then you have no accountability to anyone else. No one knows about it and you feel like you can sweep it all under the rug. It doesn't always work that way. Just listen to me. It's, it's okay to get help. Sometimes help is something like talking to a buddy. I hope everyone listening has at least one of those friends that you can just talk to because you've talked to before. They know, they know some of the dark things in your past. They are familiar with some of the skeletons in your closet. And they know things about you. You know things about them. There's trust there. There's loyalty there. Sometimes it's as simple as just talking to one of those friends, because what happens when you actually think about what you're dealing with and you talk to a friend about it? One, you have to acknowledge the fact, I'm a little messed up. 
And you have to come to some terms of acceptance with that. And as you acknowledge it, as you accept it, and you rationalize in your mind what you're going through, because you have to do that if you're going to verbalize it. And once you get to the point where you're able to verbalize it, you can communicate and speak what your challenge is, what you're facing, where your struggle and hardship is found. When you're able to verbalize that, it, you feel better. And the reason you feel better, I know we always say, it's like, you know, I got it off my chest. But what we really do is we get a grasp of what we're dealing with. We get, we get this feeling of control. Like, okay, we can handle this because now I've communicated and I, and I have a better understanding of what it is that I'm going through. So now that I've been able to communicate it, now that I have my mind wrapped around my struggles, I feel better. It's, it's not as bad as I thought. It's something that I can manage. I, I think I can figure out what my next steps need to be. Sometimes that conversation is a game changer. And sometimes it's with a best friend. Sometimes it's with your spouse, with your wife. Let me just tell you, if I could give any advice to anyone who's about to get married, open communication in the marriage, number one priority. You need to be able to talk to your wife about anything, and she needs to be able to talk to you about anything. With with no fear of being discouraged, with no fear of being shut down, with no fear of being uh, made a mockery of. You have to have open communication within the marriage. That, that's huge. And I'll confess, I struggle with that. Um, whether it's the macho side in me, the ego, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I think sometimes I can deal with things on my own. And, you know, I'll give it a couple of weeks and I, and I'll see how it goes. And, you know, I give no attention to it over two weeks and then I think, okay, it's worse, but I think I can still deal with it. If it if it's something where, it, if, if it involves the family, or if it doesn't, I mean, you and your spouse are supposed to be a single entity. I mean, that's what happens. You leave your mom and your dad, you get married, you become, the Bible calls it one flesh. You become one. You're not just two separate people anymore. You're You're supposed to be one entity. So share those things. And I'm talking to myself because I suck at that. I just, I don't do a good job. Uh, and I know, I know that's a point where I have to improve. So I'll reflect on that later and figure out how I can do it. But sometimes you have to talk to your spouse, especially if the issue is with your spouse. Dear God, have the conversation with your spouse. I mean, you may have a harsh perspective on something, but that's okay. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Talk about it so you can work it out. Don't hold things back and get, you know, issues in the marriage. You don't want that, especially if you have a family. You don't you don't want to set your kids up. You don't you don't want to get to the point. I know people get divorced. I'm not. If if you are divorced, I'm not trying to shame you, and I'm not trying to say, well, you've messed up. You have no hope because I I don't think that that's true. But statistically, kids who come from two parent homes where they had a mom and a dad, they they typically are more successful. They tend to do better. Now there are plenty of people who come from different families that are broken and messed up, and they do fine. But you, you're you just setting your kids up, if you have a family, to do a better job if you have the two-parent home. So just keep that in mind, and I know there's always outliers in the conversation. Um, we'll talk about that another time. But if you have an issue with your spouse, have the conversation with your spouse. And sometimes the conversation needs to be with other people. It's not just someone that you're close to that you have um, some comfort with. Sometimes you have to talk to someone where it's a little 
uncomfortable. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe um, it's someone that a parent or someone told you about that, you know, they've been through a similar experience that you're going through. Maybe they'd be a good person to talk to. Maybe you've never talked to them before. You have no idea who they are, but maybe that's the person you need to talk to. Just talking about it again, when you can verbalize and wrap your mind around it, that helps in and of itself. But if you can talk to someone who's been where you are, I mean, older people are a really a really great resource for this. Talk to people who have experienced what you're going through and they've come out on the other side because I'm sure that they'll have some tips and tricks to help you do the same and probably do it more efficiently, quicker, and better than they did. And sometimes you got to get counseling. But that's okay because it's okay to get help. It is okay to get help. It's okay to get counseling, to talk to a therapist. If things get that bad, do it. And I know that even though there has been this push um, for awareness with mental health, there's still this stigma that exists about people who have to go see a counselor, people who have therapy. There's still this stigma. They're like, oh, they must be really messed up. And ironically, it comes from people who are also really messed up because we are all broken. We are all messed up in our way. We all have our problems and our struggles. That is a normal part of life. But us people, everybody, we have this tendency to enjoy getting the focus and attention off of our shortcomings and putting them on someone else. Horrible, but sadly, that's so often what happens. But it's okay to get help. It's okay to see a counselor. I mean, what you do when you acknowledge the fact that you need help and you talk to someone about it, who cares what people think? Just go ahead and know it's okay to get help, one. Two, ignore what other people say because they have problems too. But if you're the one taking the initiative to get help and resolve with your problems, they're going to be years later still talking about you making this one stupid mistake or going through this one storm. And you're going to be years ahead of them, successful and wiser, better, smarter, stronger. You're going to be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum because you had the courage and the bravery to say, you know what? I have a problem. I need help. I can't do it on my own. That's what's going to happen. So it is okay to get help, and it's wise to get help if you need it, even if it is counseling. And here's something unique that counselors do. If you go to a counselor and you talk to them, you're like, okay, I've got this problem. This is what's going on. They're like, okay, great. And they ask you a question, or they ask you a few questions, because what they're trying to do is lead you back to the origin of your issue. They're not going to address what's currently happening. They're going to try and figure out how you got to that current situation. I mean, I think about it from marriage counseling, from this perspective. Sometimes there's couples where they just have like this really minuscule disagreement, and they never talk about it. They just never say anything about it. And so they create in their mind this assumption of this awkwardness around this certain subject. And then anytime it comes up, there's distance and there's space. And then that distance and space turns into tension. And that tension becomes uh, a question of, you know, uh, do they think this? Do they think that? Uh, and then all those questions turn into, well, do, do they really love me? And then, you know, years down the road over something so stupid that a five-minute conversation would have resolved, you're trying to get marriage counseling because you have no idea why your marriage is so bad. Sadly, that happens so often, and that doesn't have to happen. Sometimes it's just having that 
conversation that calms the waters. That's why it is okay to get help, even if the problem is small. The Bible says that it's the small fox that spoils the vine. You will do yourself a huge favor if when problems arise and when you recognize, okay, I have a problem, and this is bigger than me, and I could see that this can get out of control, and I don't know how to navigate this. If you will go then and talk to someone about it, you will be in better shape. Because if you wait, all the counselor is going to do is say, yeah, so how did this start? (laughs) That's what they're going to get to. They want to know the origin. I mean, even Jesus did that. And the Bible said that he was going to be named a counselor in Isaiah. This was prophetic of who he would be, his nature. And this is what Jesus did. So anytime Jesus would heal people in the New Testament, he would always forgive them of their sins. He would always remit sin right then and there, and then healing or the miracle would take place. So what Jesus would do was he would go back to what happened in Genesis. Sin entered into the world through disobedience. Sin led us to death, this huge adversary and enemy that we have. And so Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to make things right, but I'm going to go back to the beginning and I'm going to take care of it. And counselors do the same thing. I mean, if we model ourselves after the counselor, it's probably a pretty smart and wise thing to do. But that's exactly what counselors do. They say, we need to figure out what happened a long time ago. Why'd you do that? Stupid computer making noises. I forgot to mute it. Oh, well, it's a real show, real podcast. But that's what counselors do. They take you back to the beginning. So when things are small, it is okay to get help. And when things are big, yeah, it's still okay to get help to go back through and to discuss all those different things that happened, to discuss all the different challenges that you faced, it is okay to get help. I want you to get help if you need it. I want you to figure out what's going on, to think about it, and to have a conversation, to listen to me or anyone else. There's a lot of people out there who have incredible content and information that can encourage you and motivate you and help you with what you're going through. So take it in, soak it up, dwell on it, apply it and change. And if that's not enough, that's okay. You usually need that conversation with someone. You usually need to be able to wrap your head around what you're dealing with and what you're going through and be able to verbalize it. You need to be able to get control of that storm and struggle. And if you haven't done that, if it's something that you've prolonged for way too long and you feel like you're still hopeless, it's still okay to get help. I mean, maybe some things aren't reconcilable, but that's okay. You don't just have to lay down and die. It is always okay at any point. Always. It is okay to get help. Now, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not uh, the most available guy either because, you know, I've got three kids under five and a wife and two dogs and a cat. And, you know, we're working through our own little struggles and problems because everybody's got problems. Just because you have a podcast doesn't mean that you don't have problems. I've got plenty of problems um, and things that I'm working out in myself. And I'm having conversations all the time because <laughs> I need them. But I'm happy to try and help however I can. If you think that you'd like to ask me something, then that's fine. Um, send me an email at fatheringourfuture at gmail.com and I'll do my best to respond to you. Or if you want to message me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, wherever, do that. Because I will do my best to help you to at least maybe get you in the right direction. 
And if I can't do it, maybe I'll lead you to someone who can. Um, because I really do want to help. Like this isn't just about having a podcast and growing it and becoming a big deal. Yeah, I want that stuff to happen, but I want that to happen organically because I've actually loved and cared about people. Um, so if you're a dad, I want you to be able to become a better dad every single day. I'm giving you content that I think will help you become a better dad every single day if you'll listen to it and begin to apply it in your life. And I think it's going to be a huge difference in your life if you will just accept the fact that you've got weaknesses, that you've got struggles, and it is okay to get help. It is okay to get help. Let me make it abundantly clear one more time. Dads, it is okay to get help. Again, if you'd like to send me an email or message me, I'm open and available to doing that. I'll do my best to help you. That's fatheringourfuture at gmail.com or just search for Fathering Our Future, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and you can send me a message there. But thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching, if that's what you did. Um, and just remember, it's okay to get help. I just want you to get done with this episode and know it's okay for me to get help. Even if you don't feel like there's anything going on right now, when something happens and you have that natural tendency to just kind of buck up and say, I'm going I'm to push through this. I'm going to make it through this. It's okay to get help. It is okay to get help. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening today. This is Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I hope you will join me next time.